Welcome to this month's episode of Doing It to Death, the podcast that explores various aspects of death and dying through the lens of myth, storytelling, and pop culture. Last month, we looked at the origins and rituals surrounding Dia de Muertos, the Mexican Day of the Dead. I'd like to take that a step further now by looking at the similarities and differences between Dia de Muertos and Halloween and the way they're portrayed or not in our popular culture. Oh, death, oh, death, won't you spare me over for another year? Oh, death, oh, death, won't you spare me over for another year? As you would have heard if you've listened to last month's episode, Dia de Muertos has a long and rich history, with links going back thousands of years to Aztec celebrations. It's portrayed as a holiday of joyous celebration rather than mourning, where the dead are welcomed back into the homes of their families with food, toys and ofrendas or altars. As well as being widely observed in Mexico and other South American countries, Similar celebrations are held in Italy on All Saints Day, which honours the lives of those who have died and also teaches children not to be afraid of death, as well as in countries such as the Philippines, Fiji, Indonesia and the Czech Republic. Dia de Muertos is full of colour, music and celebration with the bright petals and strong scent of the traditional marigolds used to help guide the souls of the dead back to their family homes. Faces are painted with skulls and other patterns with the aim of both the living and the dead commingling and everyone being included with no differentiation. It's done as a way to help the dead ancestors feel welcome back into the home. What we now know as Halloween evolved from a festival that is also thousands of years old, Semain, which began in Ireland during the 9th century BC. Semain marked the end of harvest and the beginning of winter and was held on the 1st of November halfway between the equinox and the winter solstice. This was seen as a time when the boundary between this reality and the other world became thinner, so it was easier for the souls of the dead to cross over. This belief is also shared with the timing of Dia de Muertos to coincide with the end of October, beginning of November, where it is also believed that the veil starts to thin between our reality and the other world. During Semain, offerings of food and drink were left outside to appease the souls of the returning dead and ensure that both the people and their livestock 
survived the coming winter. Over time, and with the increase in Christianity, Samain became known as the Christian Feast of All Saints Day. All Hallows' Eve became a time when Western Christians honoured the saints and prayed for the recently departed souls on their way to heaven. All Hallows' Eve eventually made its way to America with the Irish and Scottish immigrants in the early 20th century, becoming known as Halloween. The first history of Halloween as we now know it in the United States was a book written by Ruth Kelly in 1919. During the 15th century in England and Germany, groups of the poor, usually children, would go door to door collecting soul cakes, which were small cakes resembling a shortbread biscuit that were baked to commemorate the dead friends and relatives of the householder. The children would be given a soul cake in exchange for praying for the souls of the deceased friends and relatives of the giver during the month of November. Over the years, trick-or-treating most likely developed from the soul cake ritual from the 15th century or the Samain belief of appeasing the souls of the dead by providing them with food. Although trick-or-treating in its current form, as we now know it, didn't really develop in the United States until during the 1930s. All Hallows Eve was also a time when milk was poured on the graves or food was left out on dining tables for the returned souls. With candles lit and put into the windows of each house so they could find their way back. It wasn't all love and light though. It was also believed that some souls of the dead would return on All Hallows Eve seeking revenge against their enemies. People therefore usually chose to stay inside on All Hallows Eve, and if they did venture out, they wore masks or costumes and that developed as a way to hide from those vengeful spirits who might be out prowling around. In much the same way that what we now know as Halloween has only been around for less than 100 years in its current form, Dia de Muertos began to be transformed into the celebrations seen today in the 1970s by Mexican artists and activists who were living in the United States and it developed into today's celebrations as a way for them to reclaim and recognise their Indigenous roots and identity. It amazes me that as Halloween has veered further and further away from its Celtic roots of honouring the dead and the change of seasons and seeking to provide protection for the community into becoming more and more commercialised and gimmicky, Dia de Muertos has retained its strong sense of rituals and the whole idea of it being a way to commune and welcome back our dead ancestors and to honour those who have left us, whether they're pets, children or our elderly ancestors. The way the two celebrations are portrayed in pop culture also couldn't be more different. 
there are very few instances of Dia de Muertos being portrayed anywhere in Western pop culture. The only two that come to mind and that I've been able to find are the opening scene of the James Bond movie Spectre, which featured a Day of the Dead parade in Mexico City. Interestingly, at the time the movie was made, there was no Day of the Dead parade being held in Mexico City, but the authorities started holding one the following year after the movie was released due to the popularity of the movie. And it has been successful every year after that. The other depiction is the Pixar movie Coco, whose entire concept was inspired by the Day of the Dead Festival. Surprisingly, I came across an episode of The Amazing Race, the Australian version, that took place in Mexico. One of the challenges involved the contestants going to a cemetery and painting each other's faces. And the show gave quite a bit of background into the Dia de Muertos celebration. Other than that, it's very, very rare to see any depictions of Dia de Muertos in film or television. And it's still very relatively unknown in a lot of Western cultures and outside the South American countries and other countries that I mentioned earlier, where similar celebrations are held as a way of honouring the dead and also helping children to not have a fear of death, but to really see it as, as Diego was saying in last month's episode, a transition. It's not the end of anything, it's just a transition and a welcoming back. Halloween, on the other hand, is featured in more than 350 movies, and I'm not even going to begin to try to mention them here. Going back to The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which was a short story written by Washington Irving in 1819 and featuring Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman, more often than not, Halloween is based around a theme of horror and murder and trying to use Halloween and the Halloween costumes to inspire fear and terror. The notable exception to this intention to use Halloween as a device to scare and shock people is the 1966 animated TV special, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, which is still traditionally screened in the United States every Halloween. The premise of the special involves the character Linus waiting for the Great Pumpkin, who delivers toys on Halloween to children who believe. Linus writes to the Great Pumpkin that Santa Claus has better publicity, and he's seen by some as symbolic of having faith even in the face of disbelief and being mocked by others. Charles Schultz, however, has apparently said he just thought it was funny to have one of his characters mixing up Halloween and Christmas. My question, though, is this. We have two celebrations, both originating thousands of years ago, one of which has stayed true to its heritage and beliefs of bringing the living and the dead together in a joyous celebration in a really meaningful, rich way, while the other, in less than 100 years, 
has developed into what I see as a vacuous attempt for children to stuff their faces with as much candy as possible while having no knowledge or appreciation of the meaning behind any of it. How did that happen? Am I being judgmental? Possibly. Is this yet another example of commercialization and money taking over and oversimplifying what was once a very complex, meaningful and community-based practice? I don't know, but I would be really interested to hear your views. And that's it for another episode of Doing It to Death. Now, I'm going to ask you to please do one or all of the following three things. One, leave a review or share this episode with your networks. Two, join the Doing It to Death Facebook group and let's continue these conversations over there. Or three, send an email to info at embodiedconnections.com.au with any comments, feedback or suggested topics for future episodes. Until next time, take care and thanks so much for listening. Oh, death, oh, death, won't you spare me over? For another year Oh death Oh death Won't you spare me over For another year